You want a complete tour? That would be wonderful, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's Lyosha. He's showing us around an abandoned factory in a remote town in northern Armenia called Tumanyan. The building definitely shows its age. As we walk, we have to step over pieces of plaster that have fallen off the wall. There are swallow's nests on the ceiling, and there's a cage set up so you don't fall down an old elevator shaft. But also, you'll walk by a window with a gorgeous view of the green hills. The contrast between the crumbling Soviet structures and the natural beauty surrounding us is really hard to describe. It's magical. It was a full cycle factory of clothing. So they uh, made fabrics and clothes and garments out of the fabrics. It was actually a schoolhouse originally. Then it was converted into a textile factory. It lay dormant for decades, and now it's taking on a new life as an artist's residency called Apastan. We're here in September 2022, and the program is just a few months old. Residents like Lyosha have been cleaning up the building as they also work on their art. They do yoga in a big room on the third floor. They have a communal kitchen. Conditions are a bit rough, but I can see why a group of artists would want to live here. Apastan means shelter in Armenian. The program was conceived soon after Russia's invasion of Ukraine as a place for creatives fleeing the conflict. It's open to anyone, but most of the residents are Russian. Because here in Armenia, the most obvious effect of the war in Ukraine is that there are a lot of Russians here now. I remember at the end of February 2022, I stepped out of my apartment one day and something in the city had just shifted. All of a sudden, everywhere I looked, there were Russians and there were question marks on their faces. Like they somehow just landed in Yerevan, but a week ago would have never thought they'd be here. That first wave happened overnight, as soon as the war broke out. And over the course of the past year and a half, there has been wave after wave of Russians coming to Armenia. Some use it as a stepping stone until they can figure out their next move. But many have stayed. It's impossible to say how things will go in the long run. But for now, the mass migration of Russians to Armenia is changing the landscape of the country. Socially, economically, even linguistically. It's complicated. There's a lot to grapple with. But for this episode, we're just going to tell you the story of two people, of their journey to Armenia and the unlikely corner of the country that they ended up in. Welcome to Country of Dust, Stories of a Changing Armenia. This episode, Barevtsez, Barevtsez. I'm Nairi Abrahamian. When the artists moved here to Abastan, the building had basically been frozen, unused for decades. It was like a time capsule of Soviet Armenia. And everywhere you go, there are remnants of this former life. We come to a room filled with old clothes and fabrics. Oh, wow. There's so many 
different kinds of cloth in here. Yes, these are the remnants of uh, production of what was produced here. That's actually really cute. Thank I'd wear you. it. <laughs> so all these, all this cloth, all these clothes was just sitting here for 30 years. Yes. And uh, yeah, they survived. <laughs> As the residents have cleaned up the space, they've made art out of what they found. This room has a line of panties hung up, artfully blowing in the breeze. Other rooms have sculptures made of old machine parts and murals carved into the plaster. One of the other artists who lives here is Arseny. He came to Armenia right after Russia invaded Ukraine. Well, I'm a pretty eccentric person. I wear crop tops, I wear uh, short shirts, and uh, I speak strangely sometimes. He shows us around a studio space that the artists use. On one wall, there's a giant sheet covered in paint. Arseny tells us that it was painted by a bunch of residents who took off their clothes, put paint all over their bodies, and used themselves to paint the canvas. Uh, you can't restrict art. Art is a, is a free thing. He shows us one of his pieces. And there is a, uh, an old broken chair that I melted. There is a lot of clay and... Uh, I don't know what does it mean, but it was sort of aggressive. He says he made it during a time when his family was going through some difficulties. He was frustrated that he was here in Armenia and couldn't be with them. He's from an industrial city east of the Ural Mountains. I spent all my life in Russia and most time in my home city. Uh, I'm from Chelyabinsk. We sit down on the steps in front of the factory to talk with Arseny. No matter what direction we look in, the mountains around us are stunning. Over the years, I've come to know this region pretty well. I've hiked through these hills, visited the old monasteries, I've spent time in the villages. For the most part, things around here haven't changed in years. It's unexpected to be sitting here now with Arseny. Who would have thought that his life would intersect with this place? Arseny is a multidisciplinary artist, but his path toward art was a bit unconventional. I was doing business. I was a businessman. You don't look like a businessman. Uh, right now I'm not looking like a businessman. He's wearing a cropped t-shirt with a drawing he made on the front, rolled up pants with suspenders, and sandals. What kind of business were you doing? Um, let's say that uh, I bring some stuff from other uh, guys. I make, uh, well, it, it, it wasn't legal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now I feel myself um, better <laughs> because I left everything behind me, and now I'm a different person. Art changed my life. He'd do this work at night, but during the day, he got involved in underground theater. And the more I visited theater, the more it changed me. And as time went on, he started doing more and more art. So I'm a poet, uh, I'm a painter, I'm a dancer, I'm a performer, I'm a director, I'm a musician, I'm a composer, uh, etc. So uh, any medium of art is me. 
In March 2022, after Russia invaded Ukraine, he did a street performance as an act of protest. It was an immersive play. I uh, asked volunteers and they were blindfolded and they tried to feel what it's like to be blind. It did not go over well. Uh, I had some confrontation with local authorities after they uh, came to my uh, home, uh, did a little bit of uh, torturing. Uh, and after that, I used my uh, diplomacy abilities <laughs> and they gave me one day to flee and, I, uh, and I'm here. I'm sorry. <laughs> ah, no worries. Yeah. Uh, I've had worse. <laughs> he took off the next day. It was his first time leaving the country. I left everything that I had in Russia. It's easy for Russians to come to Armenia. There are regular flights. They don't need a visa to enter. They don't even need a passport, just their internal ID. And with so many doors closed to Russians, Armenia was one of the few places Arseny could go. I was just stressed out. I was really uh, in, in deep stress. I didn't have a way to earn money. I didn't uh, have a place to live. Uh, I tried to book myself a hostel, but uh, I wasn't able. I, I was just uh, like knocking on the hostels, asking if they have a place uh, that I can stay. Since so many Russians were coming to Armenia at the time, everywhere was booked. And it wasn't just hostels. Rents skyrocketed overnight. Many people I know were evicted. It's still a huge problem. A lot of the Russians arriving here had high-paying tech jobs, but Arseny couldn't afford an overpriced apartment. He eventually got connected to an anti-war organization that was helping Russians settle in different countries. They found me a hostel. I lived there for like a month because uh, I need to, uh, to find a job, to find a place to live. It was a lot to deal with. To have left his home country for the first time under such stressful circumstances. But Arseny was fascinated with Armenia. And guess what he noticed as being different between Armenia and Russia? In Russia, when you walk down the streets, you rarely see a smiling person. And in Armenia, they sm smile way more often and they are way more open to people. I thought this was hilarious. When I first moved here in 2007, I had the opposite impression, that people in Armenia, at least publicly, are so severe. I remember I had to actually code switch my resting facial expression from pleasantly neutral in Toronto to a slightly cross, don't mess with me face in Yerevan. You don't just go smiling down the street here. People will think there's something wrong with you. But I guess it's all relative. Arseny says that here, people are friendlier than what he's used to. Armenians sort of magicians of a small talk. I, I, I don't know uh, why, uh, because here you, you talk with this person for, like, for several minutes. He will invite you to his home. It's hard to get used to it because I'm not a hospitable guy. Uh, but uh, in hospitable country, you learn it. Hearing him say this makes me so happy. I came to Armenia with one bag. 
I had everything I need. It's warm clothes, my notebook, my MIDI keyboard, and drawing uh, like brushes and paints. But uh, you can't put important things in your bag. You can't put people. You can't put your relatives. Some things just doesn't fit in the bag. To process his feelings, he decided to do a street performance in front of the Russian embassy in Yerevan. It, it uh, helped me to at least to release the pain, to release uh, something inside me that I wanted to tell. It, it wasn't a thing to tell in words. It was in actions. He had just escaped Russia for doing a political performance. And now he was going to do the same thing in the country he had escaped to, not knowing what the repercussions would be. And I had to do it. He called the performance Stone. Uh, it was sort of a dance. I was covered in clay uh, in front of Russian embassy and I was doing nothing. Like, actively doing nothing. He shows us pictures. It's pretty intense. He looks like a deconstructed gargoyle or a swamp creature. Even his feet are covered in clumps of hardening clay. He was trying to mimic the way people in Russia respond to politics, to actively do nothing. A crowd had gathered. He assumed he was going to get arrested. Because I live in Russia, I know how uh, police uh, do things. The police did show up, and they approached his friend, who was taking photos. Uh, one of um, security asked photographer, who is this? Is this actor, performer, dancer? And there was a police, and they asked photographer, and what do you mean by this? You, you want to say that uh, the human is no more, and there is only clay? And I was like, what? Uh, but it, it really blew my mind uh, how things works in here. Like they were trying to understand the art? Yeah, they're trying to understand the art. They was open-minded. He couldn't believe that they were analyzing his performance instead of arresting him. I came from, uh, from the place where I was extremist because I, I'm doing things. To place where I'm considered an artist, not an extremist. It, it blew my mind. Shortly after that performance, a friend told Arseni about Abastan. And soon, he was off to Tumanyan. He's really fallen into a rhythm here. So I'm making paintings, I'm making sculptures, I'm making music, I'm writing a screenplay. I'm sort of IT specialist and I'm making an AI tool for a performance. And I, I always dance, uh, so it's uh, I wake up and I dance. Uh, or when my girlfriend doesn't sleep, I also sing. Uh, so uh, it, it's a way of living to me. His girlfriend came down from Chelyabinsk to live with him at the factory. She's an artist too. I sometimes I, I tear tales, uh, just like from my mind, what came uh, to me, uh, just to let her sleep easily. <laughs> While Arseni's really gotten into a groove here, he's still learning the magic of Armenian small talk. 
I'm not a very talkative, so it's like a sort of town village and everyone is a Baradzis, Baradzis. And he's not the only one who's blown away by the friendliness in Tumanyan. It's just like you're walking and you're just like, what of this, what of this, what of this? And everybody is smiling to you. Lisa is another resident at Abastan. Of course, like for people who is living in the village, we're all weirdos. <laughs> but they are not trying to change us and they're accepting us with this, like, with the loving and warmth. She really loves Tumanyan. Every morning I have the like view from my room on this mountain and every morning I'm really surprised <laughs> I'm just like wow I'm actually here this is amazing <laughs> Lisa is a ceramicist she's been working with the local kids they draw pictures on tiles with glaze and she fires them in the kiln the night before we got here she glued the tiles up around town for the kids to find yeah, and I felt like Santa Claus a little bit. I will make a map and imagining that it's going to be like a quest for them so they can run around the city and look for these tiles. She doesn't know Armenian and the kids don't know Russian very well. But we have the common language art. I love children's drawings because like now we're going to walk to my favorite one. This guy, he's really a future artist, I'm pretty sure. He couldn't sit on one place for too long. And he was drawing like Jackson Pollock, I don't know. <laughs> Just like really randomly and fast. There are people at Abastan from all over Russia. But Lisa is from Chelyabinsk, like Arseny. It's a big uh, factory city, uh, which is quite environmentally dirty because they have lots of factories and... But most of my life I lived in Moscow because my parents moved there when I was a child. But she never really liked it there. It was too huge, too busy, too many people. Cities stress her out. She prefers quieter places, like Tumanyan. Liza's been gone from Russia for longer than most Abastan residents. I left Russia two and a half years ago because I... I don't know, I, I, I felt this dictatorship. Like, dictatorship was a big thing why I left it. She went to Tbilisi with a small backpack. She wasn't planning on staying for long. She just wanted to leave Russia for a while. But then the pandemic hit, and she stayed put, working at a ceramics studio. And uh, it was nice. Um, but then the war started... It was hard for her to understand what her country was doing. <laughs> um, can I say curse words? <laughs> I thought like, fuck. <laughs> I remember that I was repeating loud, like, it's a war. Russia started the war. Russia started the war. And I thought like, oh, what? And I just tried to understand it and I couldn't for a really long time. Lisa had left Russia because she didn't like what her government stood for. But once the war broke out, she really had to come face to face, not just with what Russia was doing, but also with how Russians are sometimes perceived. And I love Georgia, but 
There's lots of graffitis, like, fuck Russians, fuck Putin, Russians go home, like, all Russians have to die. And I thought, like, okay, I'm just gonna ignore it. She understood where the anger was coming from. She was angry, too. And she was doing what she could, making protest art, raising money for Ukrainians. But in Georgia, she felt guilty. And just, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that I have to speak on this <laughs> occupant language. She felt bad just speaking Russian. I felt this sorry all the time when I tried to pretend that I'm not looking like a person from Russia. And um, in Georgia, it was really hard, and I know why, and I'm not saying that it's like bad or something. It's just, it was tough emotionally for me. In May 2022, she came here to Tumanyan for a friend's wedding. And they told me, look, here's the art residence and you can apply and come here and just work. And um, I came here and I felt lighter, much more lighter, because um, here nobody was judging me for being a person with the Russian passport. She says that once she came to Armenia, she didn't feel like she had anything to prove anymore. The anti-war exhibitions she had been putting on in Tbilisi, they were from the heart. But it was beginning to feel as though, as a Russian, she would be judged for making anything that wasn't in direct response to the war. And it was stifling. And here is just a, a freedom of expression and of the thoughts, and it was... It's a really healing process for me. Like Arseni, Lisa is embracing life at the factory. Living here, it's a dream. It's actually a dream because we're like children who like who seeked into the like abandoned house and started living there. I'm like I feel like I'm from the Peter Pan, like <laughs> hiding from this like grown-up world and like making your own rules and at least here in this small community, in this building, you can control something. I really fell in love with this place. I feel the connection with this factory, with the building, uh, with the people. It becomes like you become a family. As for her family back in Russia, who she hasn't seen in over two years, it's complicated. She misses them a lot. But their relationship has been strained since the war started. They want her to come back. And they're always like, why are you not coming? <laughs> and I'm like, oh! And uh, yeah, family questions. It's, it's also like the war raised up these things which we tried to ignore, like our political views. And now the war, and like, we just can't shut up. We just can't. And sometimes my mom, she's starting to scream at me like, I love you. I love you. We're not going to fight because of our views on the politics. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but for now, she doesn't want to go back to Russia. At the moment, I don't feel strong enough to, like, to put the wall between me and all this, like, and the regime. And I want to come back there at some point. But mm, I feel now that it's not going to happen in the, like, in the next year or two or three because it's still painful, really. 
We ask Arseni what it would take for him to move back to Russia. The, the change of regime, the, uh, the end of war. And if it's not going to happen, it's perhaps the death of close relative because my family is super important to me. For now, he sends the money he makes from selling his art back to his family. I sold already two of my paintings for, for like a good price. And uh, I'm having a stipend. Uh, I, ha I have some grants. So uh, money is not a problem for me. So uh, m my girlfriend can uh, get herself everything she wants. So if she's okay, I'm okay. I don't need much money. I, uh, if, if I have a cigarettes and uh, coffee in the morning, I have a good life. I don't need anything else. Country of Dust is created and produced by Nairi Abrahamyan, Jeremy Dalmas, and Gohar Khachatrian, with help from Gabrielle Caprielian. Sound engineering and music by Jeremy Dalmas. And thanks for the support from the Creative Armenia AGBU Fellowship, Impact Hub Yerevan, the Vahe and Lucy Foundation, and the Nexus Center for the Arts. And Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, we'd really appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word.